Today we'll examine the question, why does Christ's unity with the Father matter as we continue through the Gospel of John? That's right, the computer difficulties are over and we're back with an all-new Bible study podcast starting now. Again and welcome to another edition of Bible Study Podcast. After having a forced two-week layoff due to the joys of technology, my name is Justin and I'm happy to be back with you. We've got a lot of exciting thoughts to talk about tonight, so as we pick up where we left off last time at John chapter 5 verse 25. So before we begin, I'd like to ask if you would join me as we open in prayer. Our Father, we come to you today to ask for your guidance and your mercy. We know that we have failed you and have often turned astray. But Lord, we turn to you for in you is life and forgiveness for our sins. And so bless us as we turn to you. Help us as we follow you and make us to be more like you through this process. It's in your son's name that we pray and we wait till you come for us again. Amen. As we begin this week, I, I want to ask you a question. You see, last time we talked about how the Father and the Son are one. How they are unified in act and nature. And in fact, we really begin to draw a beautiful foundation for the Trinity. And we'll see more of that in the coming chapters and verses. But my question to you is this. Why does it matter? I mean, does it really mean anything if Jesus says he is the same as the Father? Does it matter if they're unified? In thinking about this, I'm somewhat reminded of the scientist who was so caught up in studying a certain spider... And he watched the spider day and night, and he observed its every move. He learned its habits, its techniques, its tactics, learned how it spun its web, how it walked around. He learned everything about the spider. One day the spider came over and he bit him. The man instantly fell over dead. You see, the man had studied this great creature and learned all about it, but he missed the point of the exercise. It's great to know all that you can know about an animal, but he missed that it was a highly poisonous animal. It would kill him. Now sometimes I feel like we do this to ourselves as well. We, we study a great doctrine or a thought, and we learn it up and down, and but we never see the connection between that doctrine and the rest of life. We, we may know all about the spider, but we don't connect it with the fact that it will kill us if it bites us. So it's with that in mind that we look into the passage that we've begun last time. You see, last time we learned that the Father and the Son are one. In fact, the Son does what he sees the Father doing, and the Father delegates powers to the Son. However, while it is important to know that, we really get a fuller picture when we see how that fits into the whole picture. So let's begin to look at that picture as we back up and start in John 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. In other words, the one who hears Christ's word, his words of salvation, and believes in him, they will have eternal life, and they will pass from death to life. So let's continue in verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. 
You see, he's beginning to develop this a bit further as Jesus notes to the Pharisees that the time is now. Those of you who were dead, and in this context it makes me feel like he's talking about dead in your sin, but he says the dead will hear his voice and will live. Now the obvious question that arises for me is how? How can a dead man be raised to life? Well, Jesus gives us that answer as we continue on through verse 26 and 27. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. You see, those who were dead can be raised by the voice of Jesus. Because just as the Father has life, so has he given it to the Son to have life in himself. You see, we're beginning to see why it matters that the Father and Son are unified, why they are one. It matters because it's through this unity, through this life that they are unified in, that the dead will rise to life, both physically, as we'll see later in raising people from the dead, and spiritually, as those dead in sin, dead in trespasses, are released into new life through Christ. They are raised with Him. This is exactly why we have baptism. Baptism is to be a symbol that we are being buried in our sins, but we are raising in new life. We are dying to ourselves. So further, Jesus tells us that He has the authority to carry out judgment because He is the Son of Man. Now I think this is quite interesting. Back in verse 22, we are told that the Father has given all judgment to the Son in order that all would honor Him as they honor the Father. But now we're given a bit more. The reason is because He's the Son of Man. Now, as we mentioned before, this title is a unique one, which is a claim to deity. But it also stresses something vital to us here. What I mean is that we just saw Jesus refer to Himself as the Son of God. But now... One or two verses later, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. Now, why is that? Well, I think it's because he's trying to show us something. He's trying to show us what is going on here. Christ became a man. He took on flesh and dwelt among us. And while it, that doesn't mean that he lost his deity, it means he became man in order that we may be saved through his sacrifice. Through his death, we are saved. And it's through this fact that Christ is now made judge. You see, it is his blood that saves us from damnation and hell. And therefore, he is the rightful judge. He has been given the authority to judge because what he has done as the Son of Man. So the picture we see is that thanks to the unity between the Father and the Son, the dead may rise from the dead. And because the Son has been given the power of life, and he's been made judge. So Jesus probably knew at this point that this would throw the people off a little bit. You know, he, he continues on in verse 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Now, Jesus basically makes this point clear by bringing up something the Jews already knew as a comparison. He tells them, this shouldn't surprise you. You should know this, that through the Son the dead will be raised. Now, why should they know that? Well, it shouldn't surprise you because you already knew that God could raise the dead. In fact, you know that one day He will raise the dead again, and those who did good 
will have life, and those who did the evil will be judged. You see, he's talking to a Jewish audience here that knew God could raise the dead. He says, you should have known that. This shouldn't be a surprise. This is why the unity matters, because the Father and the Son are one. He's saying, you know God can raise the dead. You should have known the Son could raise the dead. He is God. Now, interestingly, I think the Greek in this verse does not have the word deed as the New American Standard does. In fact, a lot of other translations don't either. It does. It literally says, those who did the good. It's It's one of these instances where an adjective is kind of standing in as a noun, it modifies an assumed noun. So what he's getting at with this is not a works-based salvation, as some may think. He's not saying, oh, well, if you do good deeds, you have life. If you do evil deeds, you have judgment. No. What he is giving us is a comment that if you do what is the good, which as we have seen and will continue to see throughout John's gospel, is to obey God, to believe in his Son, if you do these things, you will have life. If you do the evil, if you do the bad, if you reject God, you will be judged. Now, as the one who carries out judgment, Jesus says this, but he also tells us something else in verse 30. He says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. See, even in judgment... This unity is pouring through. This is exactly why it matters that the Father and Son are unified. It matters because it's through that unity that we will be judged. If we choose to listen to the voice of Christ and we choose to believe in Him, we will have life. We will be raised from our dead lives of sin. If instead we choose to turn aside and go our own way, we'll be judged. We'll face a God who cannot look upon sin. And we will have hell. So friends, it matters. If I could just get this across to you, it so deeply matters that the Father and Son are one. For it is through this unity that we may have life. But if we reject Christ, we will face judgment. And it comes because of that very same unity. Well, I hope you'll consider this throughout the week and it, and I hope you'll study it on your own. And, and until next time, may God bless and keep you.